God's written living word to me. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might behold wonderful things from your law. Amen. We've been in a study of the book of Romans, and we've reached the seventh chapter. My intention is to go through the eighth chapter, and uh, to date we've had 12 lessons, 12 messages getting this far. So we'll see how we do here on the last couple of chapters. Paul is speaking. He wrote this as a letter to the church at Rome. I write to you on the context, this is verse 1, of your acquaintance with the law. You would agree with me that laws are only relevant in this life. A wife is only bound by law to her husband while he lives. Any further legal claim he has on her ends with his death. The law would call her an adulteress should she give herself to another man while the first husband is still alive. Yet once he's dead, she is free to be another's wife. Now, remember, this is a letter. And back then, there weren't chapter and verse. It wasn't broken up as we have it today in our Bible. This was a letter to this church. He's actually carrying forward from the sixth chapter in the last couple of verses. Chapter 20 or verse 23 of chapter 6 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I write to you in the context of your acquaintance with the law. He's speaking, of course, to a Hebrew people, to a Jewish congregation, largely. He says, you'd agree with me, wouldn't you? If I told you that your relationship to the old ceremonial law, to the Torah, to the written code, is that like of marriage? As long as your husband is alive, you are an adulterer if you are with another lady, or with another man, excuse me. But if your husband dies, then you are free. Free from that law. Free from that commitment. That's an interesting analogy here. I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible. It says, Surely you know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who understand Torah, that the Torah has authority over a person only so long as he lives. For example, a married woman is bound by Torah to her husband while he is alive. But if the husband dies, she's released from that part of the Torah that deals with husbands. Therefore, while the husband is alive, she will be called an adulteress if she marries another man. But if the husband dies, she is free from that part of the Torah so that if, her, if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. 
The reason that Paul is using this analogy is because it's so analogous of how we as Christians enter our relationship with the Lord. While it should be a marriage to him, what often happens is that we continue in being married to what the Jewish Bible calls the Torah. That's the first five books of Moses where the law was given. It's how the Jewish people related to everything religious. Everything about God came to them not by revelation and certainly not through the Christ. It came through the law. The law ruled everything. Their thinking, their industry, their relationships, how they prepared their food, how they dressed, their commerce. Everything was regulated by the law. And so Paul says, you know, don't you, that if you're married, then you are bound until there's a death. And where he's going with this is trying to help them understand, you've been married to the Torah. You've been married to a system of law or do's and don'ts or you shall not or touch not, taste not, handle not. And you will continue in that marriage until there's a death. Let me ask you something. As Christians, do you often feel like your marriage is to a list of do's and don'ts? That somehow I've got to change my behavior. Can you help me with this a little bit more, Sammy? Sammy, help me with this, please, a little bit more. Thank you. He was on his way out. Sorry, everyone. I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every day I need you to tune my mic in just right. I lived my Christian life for the first 30 years bound, married in an obligatory relationship not to a loving God but to a list of behaviors that judged me and held me and made sure that I had to do certain things and act a certain way and be a certain way and talk a certain way and have my hair a certain way and I I couldn't listen to certain kinds of music and I couldn't be around certain kinds of people and I, I certainly, certainly couldn't go to someplace like a, a club and, and and of course if you did any of those things <laughs> if you did any of those things you felt terribly guilty, ashamed, like you had displeased God. Anybody ever been there? 
And Paul, as he comes now to what we call chapter 7, he's simply writing his letter, says, look, let me give you an analogy so that you understand. As long as your religion is based on a system of moral code to which you are married, to which if you violate even the smallest jot or tittle of it, if you, if you do anything wrong, if you prepare the food wrong, if you burn the toast, you are subject to judgment. If you pray the wrong prayer, if you wear your hair the wrong way, if your dress length is the wrong length, I mean just this moral code, then you're not going to be pleasing to me. Judgment is going to come. Paul says, as long as you are living there, you do not know my Jesus. You have not experienced life. Verse 4 of our text says this. The very same finality and principle is applicable to you, my brothers, in the crucified body of Christ. You died to the system of the law. Your inclusion in his resurrection brought about a new union out of this marriage, that is, faith, now bears children to God. The Weiss translation of verse 4 says this, So that, my brethren... As for you, you also were put to death with reference to the law. Through the intermediate agency of the body of Christ, resulting in you being married to another, to the one who has raised you up from among the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. The Aramaic translation says this, and by the way, the New Testament was written in Aramaic. Now, my brothers, you also died to the law in the body of the Messiah that you would have another. Uh, May I have the officer come in to help me illustrate... Yeah, so much for Finland. Paul says, you are bound. You are married to a system that keeps you from enjoying life. You you check all of your decisions against it. You check where you go against it. You check what you can say and can't say. You you check what friends you're going to choose against this system of do's and don'ts and moral code and law. He's got you. But the message that Paul preached, the gospel was, look, you died to that former husband. You died to that relationship. Through the body of Christ. It's nothing I did. But because of what Jesus has already done. 
I've died to this moral system of, of law. And Christ has set me free. And he says, now, instead of being married to this, I can be married to another. To his love. To his peace. To his joy. To him just leading me. Go here. Go there. Do this. Be careful of that. But he does all of it through love. Not judgment. Not, well, if you do that, you're... You see, in the old covenant, blessing came after obedience. But in the new covenant, blessing comes before obedience. Dear ones, we need to make a decision here. What do you want to be married to? Do you want to be married to this? This has been stripped. This has no more power. This is unworthy. This has been totally changed. And through the body of Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, you, you right now, without going a moment further, nothing you have to do, no, no laws you have to obey, no prayers you have to pray, you, through his body, have been joined to another through Christ. Verse 5. At the time when the flesh ruled our lives, the subtle influences of sin which were ignited by the law conceived actions within us that were consistent in character with their parent and produced spiritual death. Pastor Jeff, it just seems that here at Genesis, you don't preach enough on sin. We need to hear some messages on holiness. And you know what happens in every church that focuses on sin and obedience and holiness, which is a complete mis misconstrued idea of our relationship with God. I, I, I'll teach on that at some point. Being subservient and conscious constantly of the do not, touch not, taste not, handle not, you must not, you can't, you shouldn't. If you do, you'll actually produces more of the same. Listen to it. At the time when the flesh ruled our lives, the subtle influences of sins which were ignited by the law conceived actions within us. The strength of sin, Paul argues, is the law. We, we, we need to ask ourselves, are we going to relate to God through the grace of what Jesus did? Or are we going to continue to be married to a system of Torah that God has laid to rest? One produces life and joy. The other produces shame and guilt and heaviness. And it binds us. Verse 6. But now, 
We are fully released from any further association with a life directed by the rule of law. We are dead to that which once held us captive, free to be slaves to the new... Watch this. Free to be slaves to the newness of the spirit or spirit spontaneity rather than age-old religious rituals imitating the mere face value of written code. Isn't that powerful? You say, well, if there's no more laws, no more rules, if disobedience and obedience isn't at front and center, then, then how am I going to know how to live? What, what if I do something wrong? He calls it living by spirit spontaneity. We just live out of the spirit. We live out of him guiding us. Now, the Bible continues to be a source of how God thinks, but it is not a source of law code. Never read your Bible, especially the New Testament, as a system or list of moral do's and don'ts because it's not. Jesus was not only an example for us, Jesus is an example of us. Whenever I come to a list of moral character traits in the New Testament, what that's telling me is, Jeff, that's who you are. When God sees you, that's who you are. That's how you act. And so rather than coming under the law of it as a do and don't, I come under the life of it. I'm a slave to the new life that that's how he sees me. Living by law never produced holiness in any one of us. Oh, you didn't hear me. Now, I need you to tune in. If you get nothing else this morning but this one, listen. There is no amount of obeying the law or doing good things that ever produced in you holiness or even a desire for God or love for God. Obeying law doesn't bring you closer to God. It moves you away from him because you see him as a judge who's just trying to catch you doing something wrong. It's his grace. When I start from a place that I am now the righteousness of God in Christ, that gives me the strength. Law actually produces more sin. Grace frees me and produces the kind of life that I want. Here's verse 6 in the Aramaic translation. Now we are inactivated from the law that was holding us, and we are dead to it. So we minister with the newness of the spirit wind and not by the old records. Never, never, never counsel a new Christian to start with the Old Testament. Never. It'll kill him. It will. Until you know how to properly interpret and relate to the Old Covenant, you need to spend your time in the New Covenant seeing who Jesus made you to be, how he redeemed you to your innocence and has made you now the righteousness of God in Christ. Verse 7, the law in itself is not sinful. I'm not suggesting that at all. Yet 
in pointing sin out, the law was in a sense the catalyst for sinful actions to manifest. Had the law not said, thou shalt not covet, I would not have had a problem with lust. The more you look into the Bible to find out what you shouldn't do, the more you'll do it. The more you look into the Bible to find out how you should live, the worse you will live. The more, on the other hand, you look into the Bible to see who you already are in Jesus, what he's made you to be in him, and that by grace you are accepted, and that by grace he's made you the righteousness of God in Christ, now you can stand tall. Now you can come right into the presence of the Father and worship. Now you can share your faith with joy and peace because you realize it's not about me. It's not about my good works. It's about what he did. Verse 7 from the Aramaic, and I'll close. Verse 7 and 8, listen. Therefore, what are we saying? Is the law of sin? No way. But I never learned to sin but by the law. For I had not known coveting if the law had not said, never covet. (laughs) So by this commandment, Sin found a reason for itself, and it polished off in me all of the coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. You see, when I get rid of this, sin no no longer has any power in me. Doing things I shouldn't do has no more power in my life. When I just start living by grace, you say, well, what about when I do sin? You just run to the Father. Be honest. Tell him. Father, I blew it. That, that was dumb. I'm, I'm so sorry. Thank you that you've forgiven me in Christ. And you receive what he's already done. You receive your forgiveness. Listen, even when you sin, did you know that doesn't change you being the righteousness of God in Christ? You remember the last time you had a meltdown? Oh, you've never done that, huh? Okay. Do you remember the last time you had a meltdown? You didn't want to come to church? You didn't want to put on praise and worship music? You wanted to slip down to the bar? In fact, some of you did. You not only had one drink, you had five or six. You remember that? Now... Do you know that sitting there at that bar, sipping on now your sixth drink, things are going fuzzy. You know you're going to need a ride home. You hate God. You hate Christians. If you're married, you hate your spouse. Do you know, sitting right there in that situation, you are the righteousness of God in Christ? Do you know sitting there at that bar, sipping on that sixth drink now, things are woozy, you're going to need a ride home. God has not done this. God is doing this. I love you. We're going to make it. I love you.
This doesn't change a thing about my love for you. It doesn't change a thing about how I feel about you. Now get yourself home. Rest. Let's talk tomorrow. Next time you find yourself in the club, spiritually. Next time you find yourself on your six drinks, ready to check out. You just remember, this no longer has any control. Everything in your life, including when you sin, is based now on a new marriage. You have a new marriage to a new husband. His name is Jesus. And he loves you unconditionally, no matter what you do, where you go, how you act. He blesses us. And because of that, I am strengthened. Because of his blessing, I am made whole. Because he loves me in that way. I have the strength to live for him. Let's stand.